What's up guys, this is Sean and welcome to another episode of the Eheng Podcast And today we will talk about a question <laughs> And asking Sean segment and basically Let's go Hi Sean, great content and tips about property, love it I am currently living with my wife, parents and a 5 year old kid The mortgage loan is about 3k per month and I turn 40 next year We are looking for a possibility to ease our retirement via property investment in the next 15 years if possible. I am totally new to this. ROI rental yield sounds strange to me, but your video helps me understand a little more about them. Thank you. I am looking at a property which can provide passive income after settlement or to be our second home of our kid living space when he studies in college. It can rent for now and own stay in the future. Based on the article I read online, Mong Kiara seems to have better rental yield due to its strategic location. I am a freelancer and mostly work from home. Traveling isn't my thing and I am not familiar with a lot of places in KL, even in PJ. Questions. Is Casa Kiara 2 a good option for rental or education in the future? Do you have other recommendations? As long as it covers 60 to 70% of the installment, I am good. Number two. Is it now a good time to buy in or should I wait? Number three, heard a lot of scary stories about renting properties to terrible tenants, still worry about it. My plan is to buy the property, get makeover guys to do some renovation, then rent out hopefully. Or I should go for property below 600000 for such investment. The Casa Kiara price is around 900000 and rental is around 3000 too. Okay, so thank you very much Kailun for your questions. Let's go through them one by one. So uh, you are looking for a house for retirement in the future where actually 15 years later, maybe you paid more than half of the property really and you can actually cash out or refinance in the future. Then maybe also you can use it as your kids, right? Then when they want to come study or whatsoever. Understood. Okay, so the question, Kaza Kiara 2, is it a good option? Uh, generally in Mong Kiara, the rental is pretty good. And I've done an area review on Mong Kiara before, so do check it. Uh, basically, Mong Kiara is divided into streets, right? So you have Jalan Kiara, Kiara 1, 2, 3, 4, and the price is actually different in accordance to that because some are developed like 10, 15 years ago and some is just recent. So you can see the difference in terms of space allocation. Older condos seems to have larger space and that area captures a lot of attention for expats. Basically, if you walk around Jalan Kiara 1 right, or Jalan Kiara, it's really not Malaysia. And you have people from all around the world in that area, especially Japanese, Korean, Chinese, Middle Easterns and Caucasians. Lah. So whether Casa Kiara 2 is good or not, right? I would suggest you to look further. Casa Kiara 2, right? Why don't you look into the neighboring lots? Step one, you go to Google Map, right? You go to Google Map and you look for Casa Kiara 2. And you look at the same stretch, what other buildings are there. And you open up another tab in your website and you open up property portals and you look at their selling price versus rental. Let's say next to Casa Kiara 2 is Project A. Then you look for Project A selling price and Project A rental price and then you do the comparison. Then you look at Project B, Project C, Project D. So I think after you look about 10 to 20 different properties, then only you can justify whether this particular Casa Kiara 2 is a good investment or not. Then how do you determine whether is it a good buy or not is generally getting the rental returns, meaning like let's say this one is 3,000 rental per month, right? Then you take that, you times 12, you divide by the property price. Then you get the ROI, the return on investment. Although this is not the net net, you still have other costs, but 
I think just ignore them for comparison sake. So it's apple to apple comparison. Number two, is it a good time to buy now? Uh, my take is uh, it's always a good time to buy and it's always a good time to sell. Although now COVID or not, uh, people still want to sell and people still want to buy. And because it's generally driven by needs in that area, it's not speculated. It's not like people going on. Really seriously, people are staying there, living there and they need space. So the space in Moncara, very weirdly, right? If you look into the review, you will understand very weirdly, suddenly there's an island of high rises in such highly congested area, but that makes the commercial properties in that area boom like nobody's business because population is just good. So I would say that instead of letting economy drive the price, right? I would actually nego because now you somewhat have time, you got no rush, right? Let's say this property is 900,000. Uh, let's set a benchmark. I want an ROI of 4.5%. So my price, I need to nego to an 850. So an 850,000 only I will go in. So I will look for property agents via the property portals and go and nego one by one. 850, okay or not? 850, 850, 850. Let's say really you close at 860,000, right? You still save forty thousand ma, so you make things happen. Like I mentioned before, like I mentioned before, great investors, right? Part of their skills are great negotiation skills. They will push you and make people sell properties to them. So question three and four, right? Because you heard about scary stories about tenants damaging a property and etc. Right? Uh, there's a take about this last. So because the media only wants attention and the negative news tend to have more attention. That's why I always tell people about how terrible my tenants is but no one actually celebrate uh, good tenants or great tenants because my company also has a rental arm right so we also rent out units for owners right out of uh, 300 cases that's like one or two right there's always bad apples i do admit but the ratio of it just people don't highlight people always think that tenants are bad tenants are bad people will not take care right but now i think the mindset need to shift if you look into your property as an investment as a business then these tenants right are somewhat like your customer or client that actually pays you for example let's say per month three thousand rental so let's say he signed two years right he's actually signing a seventy two thousand contract for two years in the business terms we treat these clients so well but when it comes to property investment then we treat them like shit which is actually wrong so that correlates with question four as well so in a company that i work in right the makeover guys uh we help property investors like yourself to make over the unit so it gives your unit a higher competitive edge uh, it attracts better tenants it means that in an old block then you can somewhat fetch a higher rental return or in a new block, you can actually rent out faster. So it depends on conditions. And part of the deal, right, uh, we also provide insurance. It means that if anything happened to the unit, the insurance will actually cover the damages because uh, once your unit is damaged, then uh, you will need to go and make a police report, what is lost, what was damaged and things like that. Then the, in the insurance company will come and value the damage and they will pay you accordingly. So that's also part of the benefit. And our company also do help people rent out because like we understand not all property investors have time or not all property investors are around Malaysia. So that's the services that we provide like in the makeover guys. So just in case you want to sign up, right? Do use a uh, Sean Tan makeover, hashtag Sean Tan makeover, right? You can just use that code. You tell the strategy consultants when you actually uh, inquire for our services, uh, they will give you extra minimum 500 
right? So this one only special deal for this channel. Then the last question, right? Whether should you go for a property investment that is less than 600,000? Uh, to me, it's up to you. So it's totally based on your risk tolerance and your income level, how much you want to risk. Let's just calculate, uh, let's say a 900,000 property, right? You are buying sub-sales. So how much capital do you actually need? So 900,000, let's say 18% is around 162,000, is it? Yeah, 162,000, which includes all the MOT and stuff. Yeah. So 162,000 plus, let's say you want to do a makeover is around 30,000. So it's 192,000. Let's lump sum it into 200,000. So a 200,000 capital upfront. And let's say this property, after you do everything, uh, it's vacant for six months. The monthly installment of uh, 900,000, let's say you take a 90% loan. It's around 3,006 per month. So 3,006 times 6 is uh, 21,600. So 200,000 plus 21,600 is 221,600. 221,600 lump sum of cash that you need. And if you have that kind of lump sum of cash, then I think it's fine if you want to go on and proceed with the deal. But if you don't, let's evaluate, right? And strategize what is within your affordability of the investment. Of course, that's the worst case scenario. Lah. Generally, based on our company's data, right? Generally, one to two months, it's a normal waiting time, 30 days, 45 days before we rent out an actual unit based on market value. So that's a bonus question. Lah. I set up uh, Sandrian Berhard while I was the only worker. I pay myself a fixed low salary to get better tax relief will this be a problem when applying for loan the current property is under my wife's name uh yes and no it depends whether you, are you buying the property under a company or under your individual name if you're buying under your individual then yes they will look into your income your salary slips right the how much you pay yourself and how do you get that kind of money to sustain and how do you prove that you can actually pay four thousand a month some banks do accept this one is out of my forte but some banks do accept like if you're the founder of the company and you show your company's profile right and your company is actually making money then maybe then also there's some engineering that you can do in terms of accountings to qualify for a loan as well so i would actually get some advice from a tax consultant or an accountant and what i would suggest is now you can actually speak to a banker first just say that i'm interested in this can i get an indication of whether can i get that loan or not right so it's like a pre-queue it's a pre-qualification see how much you are entitled and etc Okay, so I think that would be a more effective way of doing this, meaning you find out how much you can afford while doing all the research of the properties that you want before actually capitalizing on this moment. Okay, I think that's all for this episode. Thank you very much, Kailun, for actually sending in this email. I think this will help a lot of people because a lot of people are in this stage where I know I want this one, but I don't know how to move forward. So this email greatly helps. And for others who still have uh, questions regarding real estate, do just email me at T-A-N-I-H-E-R-N-G, T-A-N-I-H-E-R-N-G, and I will see you guys on the next one. Ciao.